Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now your hosts, Bela Sebro. She's the nice one. And Alan Skorsky. Uh, he's not so nice. But together they are the definitive rap. I'm Alan Skorsky with my co-host Bela Seabrow, and welcome to the definitive rap, where we discuss the news items the mainstream media just won't touch. The definitive rap is proud to be the official podcast of vinnews.com. Typically, I open my monologue with a more aggressive posture as we talk about politics and media corruption. But today, we'll be talking about a very somber topic, the recent tragedy at Mount Miron in Israel last Thursday on Lagba Omer. Today, we will be speaking with a very special guest, Avi Abelo, whom Bela will introduce shortly. We specifically wanted to talk to Avi because his program is based in Israel and is aptly titled The Pulse of Israel. Besides being able to give us the history of this annual event, which usually draws hundreds of thousands of Israelis and American Jews studying in Israel, Avi's sister and brother-in-law lost their nephew, Donnie Morris, from Teaneck, New Jersey, Nachman Daniel ben Ayitzfeel of Ashalom, and we offer our deepest condolences to you, your families, the Morrises and the Cronenbergs. As the world, and especially Israel, is attempting to get back to real life again following COVID, a plague and a message from God, Yet another tragedy befalls the Jewish people in Israel. And again, we ask, what is the message God is sending us? None of us can know what these tragedies mean, except that we all need to improve ourselves. And hopefully that will move the the needle just a little in our favor. Before I turn the mic over to Bela, there was just one thought I wanted to put out to our audience to think about. You know, every year at Lagba Omer, 300,000 people travel to Mount Miron to the grave of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. This year, 100,000 people went. And I wonder how many more casualties might there have been had this been a typical year. Bela? Thank you, Alan. There isn't a man, woman, or child who has not been painfully touched by the horrific tragedy in Mehron, Lagba Omer. Personally, I watched the funeral of the two Englander brothers on Friday, yesterday, the funeral of Donnie Morris. There are no answers to what has happened because there are no words to even ask questions. But in watching videos and interviews of the survivors, I couldn't help but admire with pride the deeds and kindness that took place in Mehron. When people were rushing to their own safety, there were those who were pulled along or picked up by someone else who couldn't do it by themselves alone. People didn't just run for their own lives. They made the extra effort to pull, lift, or carry another person who was struggling. And then there were the yeshiva boys from the many yeshivot who were there celebrating on Lakba Omer. These beautiful bacharim helped carry stretchers of wounded victims up and down the mountain. They went back and forth. It was unbelievable to watch and even hear about. One would think that they would run to safety and stay out of harm's way, but no. These young men helped elderly or weak people who couldn't make it on their own, and they helped them. 
And it wasn't just the medics who performed CPR on the victims, but the survivors performed CPR on others before the medics could even get to them. And what about the beautiful people of Am Yisroel, who left their own Shabbos preparations to give to others of their own food and to daven and support the victims and families in any way that they could? And the funerals and shiva, which have and are drawing thousands of people to pay respect and condolences to their Jewish brothers and sisters. Even more touching is hearing how the bereaved, devastated families are comforting and reassuring Am Yisroel. It is they who are giving chizuk to people, trying to make sense out of something so unimaginable. The love of Hashem and Eretz Yisroel is palpable. With us today is Avi Abelo, a relative of Donnie Morris. Originally an organizational psychologist and management consultant, Avi had a career pivot when he worked on the front lines against the expulsion of the Jewish communities in Gaza. He produced the acclaimed movie Home Game on Gush Katif, and then founded 12 Tribe Films, where he serves as a CEO. 12T Tribe, or it's the 12 Tribe Films, produces top quality content and deep analysis on the issues facing Israel and the Jewish people. Avi is considered a subject matter expert on Israeli politics and trends. He today also runs the 12 Tribe Films Foundation, which runs the Pulse of Israel. Avi, welcome to the Definitive Wrap. It is an absolute honor to be sitting in the same Zoom room with you. Please share with us why people go to Meron on Lakba Omer and what you know about this tragedy. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Bela. Thank you, Alan. It's a real uh, honor to be on your program. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I just returned now from, uh, from the Shiva house, the house of mourning of the, uh, of the Morris family that they were just, uh, they came here o- overnight to, to bury Donnie. The burial was last night. Yeah. Uh, massive, massive funeral. Um, and then today they, they, they sat for the traditional Jewish morning here in Israel for people in Israel, friends and family to visit. And they are now on their way to the airport to be and returning to, to Teaneck, New Jersey, to continue the week of mourning in their, in their home back in, uh, back in Bergenfield, Teaneck. Yeah. Um, uh, Lad and Meron, believe it or not, I mean, while in Israel, it is an ex- extremely, not just well-known holiday and well-celebrated holiday, but also the, uh, the event at Meron is the largest, not just religious event, the largest event period to, that ever takes place in Israel annually. You're talking about uh, uh, around a half a million people who usually go up to that hill to celebrate the holiday of Lag Baomer. This year, only 100,000 people went up. Uh, last year, no one went up because of uh, COVID-19 and everyone, we were all in lockdown at the time. Yeah. Uh, so everyone was happy that it was opened up this year. Uh, and Israel is pretty open. So 100,000 people went up this year. Why? Why? What's the attraction of going to this hill? It's a hilltop in the Galilee, right next to the the ancient and modern city of Tzfat. And it is where one of the great rabbis of the Talmud, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, is buried. Now, just a little background of the holiday, Lagba Omer, 
is the holiday that we are basically celebrating the end of a pandemic <laughs> 2,000 years ago. Actually, there's an argument between the rabbis whether it was the end of a pandemic that 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva died from. And there is another position of the rabbis that they didn't die from a pandemic. Rather, they, they died fighting the Roman Empire in the revolt of the Jews, because Rabbi Akiva was one of the supporters of, uh, uh, of Bar Kokhba, the Bar Kokhba rebellion, and his students went and fought with Bar Kokhba against the Romans. So what, whichever interpretation is used, Lag Omer is the day that his 24,000 students stopped dying. And that's how we know the number was 24,000. And we celebrate Lag Omer as a thank you for the end of, uh, of that atrocious tragedy of the loss of all those students to Rabbi Akiva. Now, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is buried on Meron. He was a rabbi persecuted by the Romans. Anyone familiar with the Jewish rebellion against the Romans? The Romans forbid Jews from learning Torah, from, from uh, doing any of the commandments, keeping Shabbat, reading Torah, teaching Torah, um, and they would kill and murder horrendously any, and any rabbi or Jew that, that they caught. And uh, Rav Shimon Bar Yochai escaped, ran away, and he hid in a cave for 13 years because he was a wanted man as one of the great rabbis of the time. And in that cave, he studied Torah. And he went into that cave being a huge Talmud Chacham, a huge, great man of, of Jewish learning of the Torah. And for 13 years, he stayed only studying Torah. So imagine how much smarter and greater he became as a Torah giant at the end of those 13 years, and he finally got word that the Romans were gone, and he then came out of that cave. And he became one of the masters of Torah. And anyone in today's day and age, I'm sure, I'm sure they've heard of Kabbalah, or the Kabbalistic uh, teachings of Torah. Well, he is the creator, the writer of Kabbalah. The original book of Kabbalah is called the Zohar. And Rav Shimon Bar Yochai wrote that book. So he, you can imagine 13 years in that cave studying Torah, he became extremely knowledgeable of the secrets of God's ways in many, many ways that led him to be able to write the Zohar and introduce Kabbalah to the world. He died in the end. His life ended naturally, not killed by the Romans, thankfully, but his, he, he died on Lagba Omer. So Lagba Omer is, uh, is his, the anniversary of his death. Yartzeit, and in yeah. Judaism, we treat someone's anniversary of their death where we remember them. We pay tribute to them, to their lives. Um, and because he, the great man who he was, the Torah giant who he was, uh, died on the day of Lagba Omer. So the, to- the two sort of intertwined. And Lagba Omer turned into not just a holiday celebrating the uh, the end of the death of the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva, but a celebration of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai as the Torah giant who he was. Uh, so, and, and in Israel, um, it, it's a it's a huge holiday. It's a it's a, it's a holiday where there are bonfires all over the country. I forgot the exact reasoning for the bonfires at the moment, so forgive me. But that's part of the tradition, uh, and you have 
kids all over the country with supervision most of the time, lighting bonfires all over the country. And on, on the hill of Meron, that is the main bonfire ceremony. Um, and it is a huge religious event. And again, like I said, the biggest event across Israel on an annual level, half a million people, up to half a million people, usually on, on a regular on a regular year. So this year, 100,000 people went up to celebrate. And, um, and unfortunately, the, the tragedy happened of the four, 45 people who, who died. All right. Let me ask you a question. You know, let's say in America, our biggest event is the CM Hashas. So they rent buses from every shul, every community, and they all go to Giant Stadium. And it's for yeshivish people, modern people. It's, there's no group that is, is excluded or encouraged more for. Here you're talking about typically half a million people. So one question is, what kind of people are going? Is this something that ranges everywhere from the, the most Haredi to the most to the Bnei Akiva type? How is it organized? How is it prepared? Are there a caravan of buses? Are people going in cars? Because this is not just something that you put together on a Saturday night. Let's all meet for ice cream somewhere. Yeah, this is this is a huge operation and an annual opera- operation. It is for all Israelis, but the maj- the vast majority of Israelis who attend are either uh, ultra-Orthodox. This is like a major, major event in the ultra-Orthodox community. For instance, when I said before, like there's a main bonfire there on on the Mount of of Meron. Well, uh, each individual ultra-Orthodox community or, or individual communities, including the religious Zionist modern Orthodox community, they all have their own individual sections on the hill where they can celebrate uh, separately in their own ways. Um, but most are, are ultra-Orthodox. Many traditional Jews in Israel, there is a huge population of, uh, let's just call them Svardi or Middle Eastern Jewry, who are not necessarily ultra-Orthodox or, 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 or astringent on the commandments religiously, but they have a deep, deep sense of commitment to the tradition of Judaism and hence a deep sense of commitment to traditions. Hence, they're called traditional in, in Hebrew, Misarati. So many, many traditional Jews, not necessarily so religious, but it, 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 it's, it, it's, a, it, it's a spiritual religious event that they connect to as well. And again, you have the religious Zionist, more you can call modern Orthodox community in Israel, who attend as well, but in, in much smaller numbers than the, than, than the ultra-Orthodox. This is like the major event of, of ultra Orthodox in Israel, but again, it's for the whole Jewish people, and everyone goes just as, at smaller numbers. Right. Avi, I know this is very painful to you. Um, but could you tell us at what point the tragedy happened, and just give us a little bit of uh, insight? Yeah, sh- sure. And believe it or not, I'm actually going to give you a scoop, um, which I think you will appreciate, since yeah. it sounds that your show deals also with. Uh, um, critical thinking regarding the media. Yeah. So uh, anyone who is seeing the press and there has been tremendous press across the world, really an outpouring of, uh, of, 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 of good, of wishful, of, of, of good thinking and, and, and good blessings from people all over the world, from diplomats all over the world. So it's gotten tremendous press. Um, unfortunately, the headlines all over the world, including Israel has been that it was some sort of stampede that it was right. uh, just a massive amount of people 
when you hear stampede, you hear just running all yeah. direction and then trampling over one another. Uh, well, the scoop I'm going to tell you is what the media and in Israel and therefore the world is not telling everybody. Um, there was no stampede. You're, you're, you're referring to an exit where um, you're a hill of 100,000 people right. and they had multiple exits. Um, but for whatever, and this, this was one exit that uh, a lot of people were going out at the same time, like masses, like thousands of people going in this, in this little alleyway of an exit at the, and again, this is outdoors, right? So it's an outdoor alleyway from a, from a major center where there was just singing and dancing and one of the main bonfires and then, uh, and people are exiting to either leave or go to other, other areas of the hill further down the hill. Um, at the end of this exit was a staircase. And at the bottom of the staircase, the police put up a barricade. Nobody's talking about the fact that the police put up a barricade. Now, we don't know who gave the order to put up a barricade or why they put up a barricade. Right. But you're talking, think about this. It's an alleyway. Mm-hmm. Thousands of people are now walking through this alleyway. And it's a down, downhill. It's like a, a, an, an incline. Oh, right, right. So it's oh. a decline, right. a decline um, uh, alleyway. And then it turns to the right and the staircases after you turn. Right. And the police barricade was at the bottom of the stairs. So no one was able to, 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 to finish going down the stairs. Oh. And yet thousands of people are continuing they, to come. Damn, they were tripping. And no, no, they're continuing to come. Right. And it's, and it's, an, it's no, no one's able to tell anyone at the front of the alleyway, don't come, that there's a barricade. The, the, the police didn't put a barricade at the front of the alleyway. They only put a, police, a barricade at the bottom of the, uh, of the exit, at the bottom of the stairs that no one can see unless you were there on the stairs. Right. Um, and then thousands of people continuing coming right. and on a decline, it's, it's, it became a death trap. Oh it my gosh. Death trap. And then yeah. I, I don't know whether they follow, they finally opened up or they didn't open it up. I don't know because no one's talking about it. The media is, in Israel is not talking about it. Um, I've heard, I've heard m- m- numerous high witness testimonies, saying this so that's why i i feel confident saying this right and 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 my call is and i hope uh, with whatever investigations here in israel with the police this is investigated um and this is brought up and they allow these eyewitnesses to come forward uh, i mean there's one eyewitness testimony where it's a person that succeeded he was da- he was on the staircase it seems and he managed to climb out like there was a little ledge that he was able to climb out on the ledge and he was screaming at the police officer. This is his eyewitness testimony. Open up the barricade and you're going to, there's going to be massive death here. And uh, the police officer did, did not listen. And in the end there was death. And he said, I will not, I, that, that officer's face is edged into my memory. So oh my they gosh. have to get this guy to actually do a sketch of yeah. the police officer who did not open that barricade and find out what in the world happened. So in terms of critical of, of media, and government uh, here in Israel, this is not being discussed. I just gave you a scoop and look, yeah. look out for it. Um, I really hope they get to the bottom of it because it was a senseless, senseless deaths. Um, the fact that they were trapped. It wasn't someone, it, it wasn't that someone tripped or there was too many people. Again, anyone who's familiar with the situation, they have to fix that exit anyway. It should be fixed. It should be, it shouldn't be an alleyway. It should be open. Right. It, it, 
considering the amount of people that go up there, it has to be changed. Right. But it wasn't an accident of people just tripping or a stampede of people stepping on each other or running into each other. No, it was a death trap because there was a police barricade and people just kept on coming and they ended up piling over one another because it was a decline and then a staircase. And, um, and so how how was it in previous years when I imagined there were more people coming from all over the world? Yeah, listen, this alleyway has existed there forever. <laughs> yeah. And believe it or not, there has been warnings about the alleyway that it should be it should be changed. Um, it never it never was changed for whatever right. reason. Again, hopefully after this tragedy, um, any and all expense will be made to have all changes made necessary to allow for this event to take place in the numbers that it has. Right. Um, so it definitely has to be changed. Um, but so it never, it was, it was always, there was always a warning that you got to make a change about this specific exit. Uh, but nothing ever, nothing ever happened. People were surprised that nothing ever happened, even without a barricade there. Right. I mean, putting the cards on the table, but this tragedy tonight is not because they didn't fix it. Right. I'm sorry, the tragedy on Lagboma is not because they didn't right. fix it. Right. The tragedy was created. It was created by adding that barricade. Yeah. The police put some type of barricade and stopped mm-hmm. people from being able to leave that exit. And then the yeah. masses kept on coming and it became yeah. a death trap. Avi, let me ask you, every time like there's a tragedy, I'm, I'm talking about on much smaller scales, whether there's a hurricane, you name it, the rabbis always say, you know, learn more, do more. Chesed, don't bring your cell phones into shul. You know, they all have remedies to improve ourselves. Are the gedolim in Israel now? What messages are, are they offering after an episode like this? Listen, the the episode is similar. They're they're calling they're calling for unity. They're calling to be better people. They're calling to learn more Torah. To, to, that's 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 okay. the ultimate message. I mean. I mean, the message, I just actually made a video the other day uh, with a message about the tragedy. And uh, my, my message is simple. And this is my message about life. And I'm, uh, I try to give over this advice all the time. I'm a big believer in, uh, there's a very special, very special Jewish book called the Mesilati um, Sharim, the, the, the ways of the, the path of the just written by the Ramchal. And the Ramchal goes, everything I'm going to write in this book, everyone knows. It's basically the ABCs. But it's because everyone knows it, I'm going to be going over it. And that's why it's so important to go over right. and over. It's the basics right. that, everyone, that everyone forgets. And the basic is we have no clue about every, anything. Nothing. You could walk out, you could wake up, walk out the door and be hit by a bus. You, you might not wake up in the morning, right? Yeah. We have no clue about anything. We have, there's no rhyme or reason. God has his own plan. We will never understand. Not even the biggest rabbis will ever understand. So what we have to do is one, we have to hold on to our faith, understand there is a big plan out there, even if we don't understand, and then realize we have to focus on what we can control. No reason. And you could be angry at God for sure. Something happens. You're upset about be angry at God, get that emotion out. But Focus on what you can control. You can't control about what God's doing or why God's doing that. Totally out of control. It's a waste of time. You're going to waste your life away, whether right. it's a day or, or years or a lifetime. Focus on what you can control. What can you control? You can control your attitude, how you deal with, with the tragedy, how you deal with, with the sadness that you're experiencing at that moment. And um, uh, a very famous lesson is those people that their attitude, if, they're, if and when their attitude is negative, they're only seeing the negative. Well, they're always going to continue seeing the negative. As opposed to if you're a person, no matter how bad things are, your attitude is to look at the positive, 
well, then your life will have a positive outlook and you'll always be looking at the positive. Who's going to have a better life? Well, the one with the positive attitude. You can have the same exact story, the same exact situation. Everything could be two twins having the same, same parents, same home, two different attitudes. Oh, the food's, the food's horrible. The food's delicious. Oh, this bed is horrible. Oh, this bed, uh, it's wonderful. I'm so thankful for my parents. I hate my parents, right? Right. But who's going to have the better life? The same exact scenario. The one is the good attitude. So that's that's words of encouragement. Wow. That's in essence, the only thing we can hold on to ensure we have the best life we can have. uh, And therefore it spreads the ripple effect. Then then your children, then your spouse, then, then your neighbors, then your community, the more people have a positive attitude towards dealing with challenges and strategies, the more we're able to strengthen ourselves and our families and our communities to move forward and deal with the future challenges and tragedies. Because one, one thing I think my grandfather told me, he goes, there's only two things you can count on in life, death and taxes. Unavoidable. Unavoidable, right? Two unavoidable right. things unavoidable in life, right? right. So right. It's, it's going to come. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. when. So yes. make sure you take advantage, maximize that when. So when of it course. comes, you maximize yeah. your life. And it all depends on the right, the right attitude and a positive attitude. Yeah. Avi, can you tell us how can we support these families? And, and people are asking me on social media and calling me, what can we do? Have funds been set up? What is it that we can do? You know, people want to help. People want to do. What can we do? That's a great question. Um, I actually do not know what has been set up yet. Uh, I, again, uh, even, I mean, I'm just came from the morning right. house. Right. Um, things are so, are still so, so fresh and still, still so dealing raw. with intensity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I'm sure some things have already been set up. I'm just not on top of them yet. So I don't know, but I promise when I, when I find out about avenues, that people can can help to support, I will send them to you. But I do know two things. First of all, any and all way to show support for those families, even if it's just sending an email. I mean, I know, I know each each and every family possibly, whether a website or an email. I mean, search for it. I don't have anything on it right now. Okay. Just send words of of right. uh, of support. Yeah. showing that you are with them. And again, whether you want to feel comfortable sending in English to, to the American families, there were, I think, six American families yeah. who lost loved ones in this, yeah. in this tragedy, um, or even sending an English <laughs> email to one of the 40 Hebrew some speaking, odd families right. in Israel. There's Somebody even will a, translate. Yeah. Right. And, and there's even a family in Argentina. Who yes. Lost someone. Yes. yes. So, and, and they probably need more than anyone because they have the, the they smallest. Have no, right. Right. Network. But even just looking up for, for an email address or a website associated with the different families, just to sh- let them know they are not alone. Yeah. And, and that, that actually touches upon something else here. And, and that's in addition to just trying to be a better person, right? Mm-hmm. Just, just take upon yourself a, a, another mitzvah to be better at or just try to be a better person, a better parent, a better, a better spouse, a better, a better, a, a, a better a, a child, whatever it is, yeah. just try to be a best, better person. Um, but in terms of not to make them feel they're alone. That's definitely something that is very special and unique in Israel. Because again, here we're talking about the media, right? You guys deal with the media. Yeah. Well, I know the headlines in America, just like the headlines in Israel, one of the most um, uh, um, delegitimized communities, Israeli communities is the ultra-Orthodox community. Right. 
right? They, uh, whether it's, uh, oh, they don't serve in the army or they're doing these protests, yeah. or these, uh, yeah. right? Forget about the fact that the, it's a complex situation. Headlines don't deal with the facts. Sometimes the stories and the full articles don't deal with the full situation. Um, but this, if any message gets out there about this tragedy and this event, I want it to be that we have unity in the Jewish people in the land of Israel. I, I, I deal with the world of journalism and, and the world of, of, of yes. Uh, headlines. Yes. I hate it. I hate it because I hate how things are sensationalized without giving the complex, uh, the complexity of reality and the grayness of the situation. There is much unity in the Jewish people in the land of Israel between ultra-Orthodox, secular, traditional, religious Zionist, but that doesn't get across in the press, doesn't get across in the 8 p.m., 8 o'clock news, not at all. They focus on the division. On the ground, you have ultra-Orthodox who work, you have ultra-Orthodox who serve in the army, you have everyday daily interactions between religious, not religious, ultra-Orthodox, traditional. Day-to-day on the street level, the people level, the real world, we have unity going on. It could be, it, there's what to improve upon. There's always what to improve upon. Of course. I'm not saying anything's perfect, but it's not what you read in the papers. It's not what, yeah. you, what, what, you, what you read about. And when something happens in Israel, when a tragedy happens in Israel, regardless if it's, if it's terror or a civilian tragedy, the worst civilian tragedy ever, the whole Jewish people come together. You had people in, in Tel Aviv, out in the streets, thousands of people donating blood, right? Yeah. Not thinking about who it is that most of them are right. ultra-Orthodox. Right. And that's something that my main message to the Jewish people is, again, no matter how good life is for you, abroad or in the diaspora, this is something special you really only feel on a, day, on a daily basis, even with the division and the headline news that tried to divide us. But we really have this feeling when it push comes to shove of unity here. And my message is come home to Israel with all of our tsarists, right? With all of our issues, with all of our imperfections. Well, we're supposed to be here in the land of Israel to work on that and make Israel better. That's our challenge as a yes. Jew. It's not, yes. don't come to Israel. Don't come home because Israel's perfect. No, come home because we're supposed to be home and then help be part of the process to make Israel a light into the nations. That's what your role is as a Jew in this world and experience this togetherness that, that isn't felt in Teaneck or Manhattan or Toronto or Paris <laughs> or London. Right. It's, it's felt here. So if, uh, that's a wonderful message. Yes. To, yes. Thank you. Uh, we are out of time. Thank you for joining us on the Definitive Wrap, uh, Avi. This um, this has been so incredible having you here and uh, sharing with us. Even though you're in pain yourself, and we're all in pain, but even more so for you, being related to one of the victims. May we know of no more sorrow amongst our people and the world at large, and may we all learn to be a little more loving, a little more forgiving and a little more kinder to each other. And may Hashem have mercy on all of us. Thank you Amen. so very much. I thank our listening audience for tuning in and to vinnews.com for our show being their official podcast. Shalom. Shalom. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your hosts, Bela Sebro and Alan Skorsky. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can listen to The Definitive Rap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Rap.